Hey everyone, welcome to the Troy Christian High School Chapel Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our Chapel YouTube channel and follow our Chapel Instagram account. Those two places will be the easiest way to check out what's coming up, as well as find some bonus content from our speakers and worship team. Most importantly, I hope the following message challenges and encourages you to grow in your relationship with God as you learn to love God and love others better. Enjoy. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And in Genesis 1, verses 26 through 27, it says this. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Humanity is created in the image of God. Women and men, everyone are created in the image of God. But that leads us to a question. What does it mean to be made in God's image? Something we say a lot, but I don't know if we've given it a great definition. Psalm chapter 8, verses 4 through 5, paint a picture of what it means to be created in God's image. These verses say this, What are mere mortals that you, God, should think about them? Human beings that you should care for them. Yet you made them? Uh, only a little lower than God and crown them with glory and honor. To be made in the image of God is to be made just a little lower than God and to be crowned with glory and honor. When we say that people are made in God's image, we say that people are made just a little lower than God and that people are crowned with glory and honor. I know that seems crazy, but it's quite literally what the verse says. They're made just a little lower than God. When we see a person, we should see someone whose worth and value is just below even God's. When we see a person, we should see someone who is crowned with glory and honor, no matter who they are or what they've done. People will say, what about the fall? What about sin? I thought people were wretched and depraved apart from salvation. But I want to nitpick something about these verses. I want you to notice something specific. The image of God described in Genesis 1 is at creation, thousands of years before Jesus walked the earth. This is long before Christianity or salvation were even a thing. Yet Adam and Eve, who were not Christians, were not saved, were made in the image of God. This means that all people, not just Christians, are made in God's image. Psalm chapter 8, the verses we just read, was written after any sort of fall. It was written after Genesis 3. But long before Christianity ever existed or Jesus walked the earth, Psalm 8 was written. So if we assumed at any point today 
that this verse was saying that only Christians were made just a little lower than God and only Christians are crowned with glory and honor, we would be wrong. Everyone is created in the image of God. Everyone is made just a little lower than God. Everyone is crowned with glory and honor. Everyone is created in God's image, no matter who they are or what they've done. And let's consider all the people of the earth. Black people are made in the image of God. White people are made in the image of God. Asians are made in the image of God. Hispanics and Latinos are made in the image of God. All people of color are made in the image of God. Christians are made in the image of God. Atheists are made in the image of God. Agnostics are made in the image of God. Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, Mormons, you name it, they're all made in the image of God. Republicans and Democrats made in the image of God. Conservatives and liberals made in the image of God. Straight people are made in the image of God. People of the LGBTQ community are made in the image of God. Presidents, CEOs, kings, celebrities, all made in the image of God. The poor, the orphans, the widows are all made in the image of God. Native citizens are made in the image of God. Immigrants are made in the image of God. Your friends, your school, your family, your church, all made in the image of God. Your enemies, the people who annoy you, the people you thoroughly disagree with, the people you hate, they're all made in the image of God. You are made in the image of God. I don't care how obedient you have been, or how sinful you have been. I don't care how Christian you are, or if you don't believe at all, you are made in the image of God. You are made just a little below God. Your worth and value is just slightly less than even God's. I know that sounds crazy, but it's what Psalm 8 says. You are crowned with glory and honor, no matter who you are or what you have done. And not just you, everyone. Love them, hate them, agree with them, disagree with them, all made in the image of God. All made just a little lower than God. Think of the person or the group that you disagree with or hate or look down upon. Do you see those individuals as crowned with glory and honor from God himself? God's beautiful creation he was willing to die for just at the chance that they might know him. Or would we be honest that we see them as less than that? You see, we have a major problem on our hands. And the problem is this, so many people are not treated like they are made in God's image. So many people don't live like they were created in the image of God. So many people are not treated like they were made just below God. So many people don't live like they are crowned with glory and honor. When people are homeless and live on the streets, whether out of their decisions or their parents or somebody else's, doesn't even apply to being made in the image of God or not. When someone like that is made, lives without a bed, 
without access to a bathroom, without shelter in the winter, overnight? That does not respect the image of God. When people are living in poverty and are too poor to care for themselves and their families, that does not respect the image of God within them. When people don't feel safe going about their daily lives because they're afraid of what people might say or do to them because of something like the color of their skin, that just doesn't respect the image of God. They're people, everyone crowned with glory and honor. Nearly infinite worth and value, every single person, no matter what. When people are harassed, called names, discriminated against, hated, trash-talked because of the way they are or what they think or what they choose to do with their lives, that does not respect the image of God. Disagreement is one thing, but honoring and respecting the almost, the nearly infinite value that each human being possesses simply by existing is what we mean when we say humanity is made in the image of God. What does this have to do with justice? Because I could, I could go on, but what does this have to do with justice? Well, biblical justice demands that we respect the image of God in everyone. Biblical justice demands that, that no matter what, everyone must be treated as if their worth and value are nearly infinite. Biblical justice demands that everyone must be treated as if they are crowned with glory and honor. Biblical justice demands that everyone must be treated as if they were made in God's image. Because they are. You see, last week, Mr. Leibarger shared with us, and he said that justice isn't about giving people what we think they deserve, but it's about giving people what they need my version of the same statement is this. Justice isn't about giving people what you think they deserve. It's about giving people what they actually deserve according to God's word. And what people actually deserve is to be treated like they were made in God's image, made just a little lower than God and crowned with glory and honor. So often we just think, oh, well, this, this person, they're terrible, or I hate them, or you know, maybe we aren't even that honest with ourselves, but we say, I'm going to love them just because God told me to love them. And that is a good step. But another step that's even better than that is to start to see God's image within them and to see them as a, a person, a thing with nearly infinite value that deserves to be treated like they are crowned with glory and honor that God has placed upon them. Do our words, do our actions, do our choices, do our thoughts reflect that? We all must consider it. You see, whenever we see people experiencing life in a way that does not line up with their nearly infinite value, that, does, that is an injustice. And what there is a need for is a just solution. Whenever we see people experiencing life or being treated in a way that does not reflect the reality that they carry God's image within them, then that is an injustice and there is a need for justice. We see this all over the scriptures from beginning to end. Um, 
The first and greatest justice story in the Bible is the Exodus. The Exodus story is about how God used Moses to free the slaves from Pharaoh in Egypt. The injustice that God addressed in this story is the injustice of slavery. You see, whenever people are enslaved or taken advantage of or are seen as, nothing, as good for nothing besides working for their masters, that does not respect the image of God. And not only does God call us to work for justice, but he revealed himself to be a God of justice when he saved the Israelite slaves from Egypt. You see, the injustice in this story was rooted in Egypt and Pharaoh failing to see the Israelite slaves as people who bear the image of God. And the justice in this story is rooted in God saying, I am going to respect and honor the image of God in these people. And I'm demanding that everyone else follow suit. We're going to talk about a man named Amos. Amos is not uh, the most popular Sunday school story. Uh, you might know that he, was, he has a book in the Bible, but it's not the common Sunday school story, but I think it should be. And so here's, here's the story. So the, the book of Amos is written by Amos, and Amos um, was an Old Testament prophet. Amos was written during the time of King Jeroboam II. So King Jeroboam II ruled Israel during the life of Amos. And from the outside perspective, King Jeroboam was a successful king. He won military battles. He expanded Israel's territory. And he generated wealth for the economy. What more could you ask for? But from the prophet's perspective, he was one of Israel's worst kings. Jeroboam emboldened people to worship false gods and idols. He also perpetuated injustice. Jeroboam didn't just simply neglect the poor, but he also harmed the poor and intentionally kept them poor. Here's how he did it. Jeroboam, along with the other wealthy Israelites, who all claimed to worship God, by the way, would take their country's poor people, then find slave masters who were looking for new slaves, and then they would literally sell their country's poor people to slave masters for money and things. Amos 2.6 puts it this way. This is what the Lord says. The people of Israel have sinned again and again, and I will not let them go unpunished. They sell honorable people for silver, and they sell poor people for a pair of sandals. Jeroboam and the wealthy Israelites took advantage of poor people and literally sold them to slave masters in exchange for money and things. It was bad enough how poor Jeroboam allowed the people he was responsible for to become, but it was an even more cruel injustice that he sold his nation's poor into slavery to serve masters and stay poor for the rest of their lives and their children's lives and the future generation's lives. The insane thing about it all is this. If you think that was the crazy part, this is what's craziest to me. As they were literally selling people into slavery to keep the poor poor, the wealthy Israelites continued to worship God. They would go to the temple. They would offer sacrifices. They would celebrate religious holidays 
with events and have festivals, like everything was fine and acceptable and normal. And then came Amos, the prophet of God. Amos marched up to the temple when the king was there and preached the word of God to King Jeroboam and the wealthy Israelites. And God even spoke directly through Amos saying this, Amos 5, verses 21 through 24, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps, but let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. According to this passage, this story demonstrates that God is significantly more concerned about us treating others in a way that respects the image of God within them than he even cares about our worship. God cares significantly more about us pursuing justice by looking out for the left out than he cares even about our church attendance and our chapel attendance. Not only does God care more about our justice than our worship, but according to this passage, it also appears that God only accepts our worship if we are pursuing justice by honoring and respecting the image of God in those around us and those who are different from us and who are not us. God said, away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to your worship unless you let justice roll on like a river in righteousness like a never-failing stream. To be people who truly worship God, we must not settle for giving people what we think they deserve, but we must, we must see to it that everyone, especially the least of these, is treated in ways they actually deserve to be treated, where they have their needs met, and we know that everyone actually deserves to be treated like they are made in God's image with nearly infinite worth and value and crowned with glory and honor. We must let justice roll on like a river as we look out for the left out by respecting God's image in everyone and demanding that the world respects God's image in everyone too. Let's talk about a story Jesus told about sheep and go goats. Sheep and goats. You see, the crazy thing is, is uh, we haven't even got to Jesus yet. <laughs> if you thought Moses <laughs> cared about justice, if you thought Amos <laughs> cared about justice, just wait until you read the justice stories throughout the Gospels. Unfortunately, we only have time for one. But Matthew 25, 31 says this. It's a long one, so track with me. But when the Son of Man comes to in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand, and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. 
I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say to them, King Jesus, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Then the king will turn to those on his left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, and to the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you did not feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer them, I tell you the truth. When you refused to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they'll go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. You see, we are all made in the image of God. But it appears that God is uniquely present in the least of these. Let me say that again. We are all made in God's image. Even you have nearly infinite worth and value, crowned with glory and honor. But, but there is something special, something unique about God's presence within the least of these. Jesus says that when we feed those without access to food, we feed him. When we give water to those without access to water, we give Jesus a drink. When we welcome outsiders and offer them hospitality, we welcome in Jesus. When we give clothes to those who cannot afford to buy clothes themselves, we give Jesus a gift. When we visit the sick, we visit Jesus. When we visit those in prison, even if they are guilty criminals, we are visiting the presence of Jesus within them. When we meet the needs of those in poverty, we are meeting the needs of Jesus. When we liberate the oppressed, we give freedom to Jesus. And the opposite is also true. When we fail to feed the hungry, when we fail to shelter the homeless, when we fail to welcome outsiders, when we fail to give advantages to the disadvantaged, and when we fail to look out for the left out, then we fail to love Jesus. And I don't have a great theological explanation for you for this, but Jesus even put our salvation on the line with this. Jesus mentions eternal punishment and eternal life. And I'll just be honest, this blows up everything I've ever assumed about how salvation works. Jesus said nothing about praying a prayer or forgiveness. Like I said, I don't have an explanation. I'm just sharing the passage with you. But this passage to me reveals that the true test of our salvation is how we pursue justice for those whom the image of God within them has been neglected and disrespected. The true test of our salvation is if we see to it that everyone will be treated in a way that reflects the fact that they are made in God's image, even if we think they are the lowest people, even if they are the people we disagree with the most, even if they're the people we hate. When we fail to look out for the left out, we fail to love Jesus. When we fail to respect the image of God within these people, we fail to love Jesus. But when we honor the image of God 
in others. When we honor the image of God in the least of these, we honor God himself. So what do we do? Perhaps you think that the practical application of this message is, I need to go out and do something. I need to go bring justice. I need to, to, to treat others with respect and honoring the image of God within them. And to that I say, amen. But maybe there's one step before that step that we need to address. You see, I, I want to bring up Matthew 25, 40 again. And it says, and the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. And I especially want you to notice the phrase brothers and sisters. When we see the least of these as our brothers and sisters, I believe that when we begin to see the least of these as our brothers and sisters, then acts of justice that respect the image of God within them will begin to flow from our lives. I'm convinced that it's about how we see people that will make a difference. Not just out of obligation, well, I guess I'm supposed to go do the right thing. I'll go do the right thing. But we need to ask God, God, change the way I see other people. Change the way I see the least of these. Change the way I see those who are vastly different from me. And when we, the way we see others is changed, our actions will naturally change from that new perspective. When you look at others, who do you see? When you look at the least of these, who do you see? When you look at those vastly different from you, who do you see? When you look even at your enemy, who do you see?